You are listening to a weekend message from New Life Church in Fort Smith. We would love to connect with you, so find us on Instagram or Facebook at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. This summer, I was in South Carolina. I went out there with several pastors, and there was a place there where you could go fish. And as you guys know, I'm a very accomplished angler. Like, I'm a fisherman. I I don't catch very many fish, but I like to try. And so they had some boats out there, and these boats, you you could get in the boat, and they had these little pedals in the boat where if you press the pedal this way, it goes this way. If you press this pedal, it goes this way. If you press them both at the same time, it goes straight. And they said, this boat is made. It's not going to get stuck anywhere. You can go wherever you want in the lake. You can fish and then just bring it back to the dock. And so I got up one morning and I said, I'm going to go out there and fish. I'm going to catch something. So I was out there for a while and I went to this one spot where I saw a turtle and I thought, well, if there's a turtle there, there's got to be a fish there, you know? So it's probably not good logic, but that's how I was thinking. There's life over there. And so I went in there to the turtle and I tried to get out and I noticed that one of the propellers on the boat uh, had gotten some weeds tangled up in it. And so one side, when I pressed this pedal, nothing would happen. It was stuck. And I pressed this pedal, and it would go, but it would only go in circles. And so I didn't know what to do, you know. I didn't have a paddle or anything else. And so after about five minutes, I figured out, like, the only way for me to do this is to press this pedal with my hand, and with my other hand, I'm going to stick my hand out there and paddle with my hand. So if you drove by the lake that day, you saw me out there. I was afraid my finger was going to get bit off by a turtle, but I did it. It took me about 45 minutes to get back to the dock. Because my, my propeller was all stuck up in the weeds and tangled up. And I was thinking about that uh, today as I was reading this passage in Hebrews 12, 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And some of you today may feel like I felt when I was in that boat. Like there are some things in life that got you all tangled up, right? You can't get to where you want to go because you're tangled up in something. And some of you feel like you just keep going around and around to the same old stuff. You've got all these hangups. And some of you right now are tangled up by anxiety. Some people are tangled up with fear. Some are tangled with depression. Some of you are tangled by addiction. Some of you are tangled up in sin. Listen to me, this year, as your pastor, I'll tell you this. I don't want you to be tangled up by anything. I want you to be free to do what it says in Hebrews, to run the race that is set before you. And a lot of times when you feel like you're all tangled up in this and that, you don't even, you're not even thinking about the race that's before you. Like some of you in here, God has put ministry in your hearts. 
Like he's giving you some things that you should be dreaming about. Like we talk about this in staff meeting. We have a list of people and we say, man, this person would be so great. This person would be really good here. This person. And we, we pray that God would just open people's eyes so that they would see that the, the ministry that he's put in their hearts. Some of you should be life group leaders. Some of you God has brought into this place to lead ministries that our church needs because he brings in people to meet the needs of his church. Like some of you should be dreaming about how am I going to use my life as a minister to reach someone else? That's not just something reserved for me or people that work for the church, but every Christian, every believer God has put ministry somehow, some way in your heart. But when you are tangled up, and you got all this mess going on. You're not even getting to the point where you think about the ministry that God has put in it. And sometimes when you're tangled up for a long time, when you keep getting stuck on the same stuff, the enemy will come and he will whisper some things in your ears that are absolute lies. And you will begin to believe lies about yourself or lies about God because you're stuck in the same old thing. In fact, one of the ways that the enemy keeps you stuck, keeps you tangled up, is to get you thinking the wrong way about the wrong things. He keeps you believing things that aren't true. Here's some lies that I hear that you might believe and you might be able to relate to right now. Number one is this. I am what I've done. I am what I've done. That means the things that I've done, the ways that I've screwed up, all the ways that I've embarrassed myself throughout my life, that defines me. Like, that's who I am. Your identity gets all tangled up in the bad things that you've done, and you think, well, I am that person. That's just who I am. Some of you think, I am a failure. I've tried time and time again. I can't get it right. I'm never going to get it right. You may believe that this is just your lot in life. And you're going to deal with this for the rest of your life. Like struggles with the same kinds of things. You may believe this is just, this is what God has given me. This is how it's going to be. Some of you may believe that God doesn't hear you or he doesn't see you or he is not even interested in you anymore because I've dealt with the same stuff. I told God I don't want to deal with it. I'm struggling with the same kinds of things time and time again. And I prayed and nothing happened. God doesn't see me. I've seen these lies eat people up. They eat people up and get people off track with God. And a lot of times what happens is you believe the lie long enough that you throw in the towel and you don't even try anymore. It's like, hey, you know what? It is what it is. And that's why I think when we're talking about the essentials, like what essential thing do you need as a Christian and a believer to keep in your pocket with you all the time? And this year we talked about prayer and relationships and different things. One of the essentials that you need to hold on to with all your heart and with all your might is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. There's freedom for me in Christ. All of these things that have you tangled up, all of the things that bind you up, that hold you back, that keep you bound, all of those things, God says in his word, Jesus came to set you free from them. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
Like that's one of the, the will of God for our life is that we would not be bound by anything, but we would be free in Christ. It says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It wouldn't say don't let yourself unless you could let yourself. And I think what happens is we, we hear that we're free. We have freedom in Christ. And we know I can read the scripture and know that Christ on the cross paid for our freedom. But there's a difference between Christ paying for our freedom and us walking in that freedom. Sometimes we let ourselves be bound and burdened again by the yoke of slavery, which is what Galatians warns us not to do. Christ has already purchased our freedom, but it's possible that you're not walking in it. I'll tell you, a few years ago, I got a truck for the very first time. And when I got a truck, I went in and signed the papers and they told me, you get a free year's worth of oil changes. And I never had a truck before. I didn't know how much it cost to change oil in a truck or anything like that. I've always had like a little Corolla or something like that. You know, it costs like $10 and they give you a mint and you change the oil. That's all you need. So I, I was going down uh, Rogers Avenue one day and I said, oh, I got to get my oil changed. That's right. I got to get my oil changed. So I called the place and I said, I'm going to come in and get my oil changed. They said, it's going to be several hours. Uh, you got to wait several hours. And I said, well, I don't have several hours. I'm just going to go to one of these little places around here. And so I pulled into some little place and I pulled up there and I said, yeah, I just want to get my oil changed. And they said, sure, sure, they do. They changed my oil and they came back. It cost me $90. $90? And some of you would be like, why don't you change your oil yourself? Well, I don't know how to do none of that, okay? Don't judge me, okay? So I said, $90. You know the next call I got to make is to Jessica. And I was ashamed, boy. I didn't want to do it, but I called her. I said, hey, babe. Uh, I just got my oil changed, and she's like, oh, that's good. I said, yeah, I found a, a coupon online. And she said, coupon? You got free oil changes at the dealership. I said, yeah, but they told me it was going to be a few hours. I didn't, I didn't want to wait, so I just went to some place over here. She said, how much was it? $90. And she, as you can imagine, I... I ended up going to the oil place at the dealership for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like, I never go back to that place again. I'd already paid for them. It's already in my thing. I got a whole year's worth, but I'm not using it, right? Christ has purchased our freedom, but it's possible that you're not walking in it. And today I want to help you with this. Now, there are people here. You have all kinds of things that have tangled you up. Every different person is different. And I don't mean to imply that if you'll just do everything I say today, tomorrow you'll wake up and everything will be just okay, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not that good of a speaker, okay? You're still going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to sin. You, you are. Look at the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament in Romans 7. It says this. This is him talking. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. Listen to what he says. What a wretched man I am. 
And you might read that and think, well, if Paul can't get it right, I don't have any shot of getting it right. And I would say, you're probably right. Like, we don't have any shot of going sinless and blameless our whole life. Paul says that there are two things at work. Like, when God saves me, right, and he does it all by himself, I get a new nature. It's a, a nature. I'm born again. You've heard that new creation. And he gives me a new nature that wants to be with him, that desires to do what God wants me to do. But I also exist inside of this old nature, like my old sinful self. I exist inside of the shell. And this part of me wants to fight against this part of me, and there's a war. And it's like my sinful nature pulls me one way, but the God-created new nature in me pulls me towards God, and there's always like this. My prayer is that you would know that you're not going to get it perfect 100% of the time, but that this message will help you take steps towards the nature that God has created inside of you, this new nature. And you would know that you have power in Christ over sin. Sin doesn't have power over you. You are not a slave to it anymore. So let me give you a few things that I pray will help you in that. Number one is this. Set your mind on Jesus. How I think matters. How I think and what I think on matters. It makes a difference. And so I know he goes on from what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Like, who's going to come and save me from all this? Verse 25 says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I see the problem is I got this this war on the inside of me. And and Paul says, who's going to come and save me from all this? And he says, not a thing. It's not a a 12-step thing. It is a person, and his name is Jesus. And so because of that, my mind needs to be on God, on Jesus, on his word. I need to know more about what God says about me than the lies that the enemy says about me. I need to Think more on the things that God says about me and what he says my heart is like than to believe what the world says about me and what the world says my heart is like. He says that our thoughts, what we set our minds on, matters. Romans 8, 5 says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Paul says we have to renew our minds. Jesus is all about transforming our life and to transform who you are and all the things that you're dealing with and to help you get unstuck and untangled. The Bible says we need to renew our minds. What you think about matters. And so it's a process that it takes time and it takes you doing it over and over and over again. Like I've got to set my mind on things above, set my mind on his word, set my mind on Jesus over and over and over again. It's like I used to teach guitar 
and uh, I'm not a good guitar teacher. I don't have the patience, you know, if somebody, like the second time we have a, a guitar lesson, if they don't have it together, I'm just like, you know, you may not be cut out for this, really. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't really, you know, so don't ask me to give guitar lessons. But one thing with the guitar lessons is, they come, the person comes in and you teach them all the parts of the guitar and then they want to start playing a song. So you want to teach them a chord. And so when you, when you get the guitar in your hand, you got to put your fingers in certain places to make the guitar sound good. You play a chord. And so your fingers go in certain places. And at the beginning, they don't know what they're doing. And so I help them. I put the finger here and I put another finger here and I put another finger here. And they press down really hard and they start to cry. And I say, be quiet, you baby. That's how you play guitar, you know. And, and so after a couple of seconds, they let go because they can't do it anymore. And then they want to play the chord again. And so you have to tell them, all right, put your finger here and put your finger here and put your finger here. And over and over and over, you have to go and show them where to put their fingers. And there's a lot of wrong notes. They put their fingers in a lot of wrong places. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good. It's frustrating. It's annoying. It's over and over and over. But over time, after a few days, after a few weeks, after a few months, they can just pick up the guitar and their fingers go right where they're supposed to go and they can play that chord. This is what happens when you are renewing your mind. In the beginning, when you're first trying to get your mind off the lies of the enemy, your brain's going to wander all over the place, and you're going to go back to those lies. You're going to be distracted by all kinds of other things. But if you keep bringing it back to Jesus, and I keep bringing it back to Jesus, and I keep bringing it back to Jesus, and I bring it back to his word, one day down the road, when you're faced with the temptation to do something that you know the Holy Spirit is telling you you should not do, instead of you having to go, okay, what am I supposed to do right now? Your mind will go to Jesus. Your mind will go to things above. Your mind will go to his word because you have trained your mind to think about God. How you think matters. And so some of the things that you need to think about are the fact that I love this in Romans 8.1. You combat the lies with the truth. And so you're going to mess up. And I'm, when I'm preaching this morning, you need to know I'm, I'm speaking to Christians and believers because this passage is for believers and Christians. And it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are a follower of Jesus and you have given your heart to him and you say, God, I'm going to do whatever it is you want me to do. I'm going to follow you every day of my life. If you're in Christ, the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those in Christ. Verse two, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. I love this so much because listen to me, this is what it is. When you're in Christ, the Bible says there's no condemnation. That means that God already knows how much you've messed up. And you know what else he knows? How much you're going to mess up. Like he's not in heaven. And when you, when you drop the ball, when you mess up, he doesn't go, oh, my goodness. Can you believe that? Did you see that what they did? He knew from the beginning of time you were going to screw it up. I mean, all of us are. And you know what he said for you? In Christ, there's forgiveness. 
There's no condemnation. So I don't have to come in to church with my head hung low and, my, and I'm looking around. And if anybody's going to know, I don't, I've got shame. I've got guilt. I've got condemnation. I've got all these things. The Bible says for the Christian, for the believer, when we mess up, we take it to God and say, God, I'm, I repent of that. I turn away from that. And then you move forward with life. You don't have to carry the weight of shame anymore. Jesus has paid the price to set you free from it. So anything that you are carrying with you about your past, let me tell you this, any guilt, any shame, any associating your identity with your worst day, the Bible says there's none of that for those in Christ, that you are a new creation, a new creature, and our eyes are forward to heaven not back on the worst day of our life. Amen? Keep your mind on Jesus. Number two, say no to the flesh. Now, this one sounds easy, and then you think, but it's not that easy, right? Because how many of you have something that you just can't say no to? For me, at a Mexican restaurant, chips and salsa, I just can't say no. Like, it doesn't matter how much I want to not eat it. If it comes in front of me, like, if it's just salsa, there's a chance that I can say no because whatever. But when they bring out that cheese dip, it's over. Like, I can't help myself. I'm going to be in the cheese dip. Cheese going to be in my beard. There's nothing I can do about it. It's impossible for me to say no. When you give your heart to Christ, listen to me. You can say no to sin. You can resist the devil. Now, this hasn't always been true for you. Before Christ, the only thing between you and sin was your willpower. Like, how much can I say no? Like, how much inside of me is there to say no? And some people have, like, this much willpower, and some people have, like, this much willpower. But at the end of the day, your willpower and your strength runs out. Like, you don't have an infinite supply of willpower, and that's the only thing that you have when you're not in Christ. That's the only thing you have that keeps you from doing wrong. But when you are in Christ, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and gives you the strength to say no. Galatians 5.16 says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It doesn't say that you won't have the desires of the flesh. They will still come, but by the Spirit, when I walk by the Spirit, I have the power in Christ to say no. Romans 6, 12 through 14 says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God, for sin shall not be your master. You are not a slave to sin. Christ came to set you free from sin. And so when you are faced with a moment where you say, okay, I have to make a decision here. I'm tempted. I, I know that I shouldn't do this. And go to the Holy Spirit and ask for help. God, help me in this moment. Give me some, somewhere else to put my mind. Give me somewhere else to... to take my feet to get away from this temptation so that I won't sin against you. And when you ask God for help, will you always get this right? No, you won't always get this right. But when you ask God for help in those moments, it needs to become a reflex to you to ask for help. When you do, 
he will give you help. He will make a way for you to resist temptation. But this should be a reflex habit that you develop in your life. When you're faced with an opportunity to sin, you immediately say, God, help me to walk in a different direction because I don't want to go down this road. You have the power through the Holy Spirit to resist temptation and to say no. Number three, last one is this. Don't struggle by yourself. Don't struggle by yourself. There's something that makes it feel like if I can figure this out myself, then I get extra brownie points from God. Like, I don't need to bring anybody else into this. Like, I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to double down and I'm going to figure out how to resist all this stuff and how to overcome addiction and all these things. I'm going to do it all myself because if I can, then that means something. And I'll tell you, that's not, that's not biblical at all. It's actually the opposite. It's like if I'm struggling and I'm tangled up in something, the biblical thing to do is to take that to somebody else and say, hey, I'm really struggling here. A lot of times we don't do that because we think people think less of us when they find out about, I heard a guy call it our shadow side, like the things that we do in the dark. When we tell somebody that, and we think, oh, man, I don't want anybody to know because that's embarrassing to me. Let me tell you something. Number one, this church is full of dysfunctional people. Amen. And I'm one of them. <laughs> My name is Brandon Cotton, and I'm all kinds of messed up in a lot of different ways. You need to know that. There is not one person in here that aces it 100% of the time. And a lot of us have things going on in our life that are like you wouldn't believe. And you'd be like, man, really? You? You got stuff going on like that? I would never believe all that. You might look at me and say, well, he looks like he's got it all together. Maybe. I don't. <laughs> you know? But I'll tell you this. I want this to be a church where you can open up and tell somebody about the worst thing going on in your life and our church loves you more for it because all of us are following Jesus and all of us have rough edges and things and some are rougher than us it's all rough okay everybody's got stuff going on but the Bible says this in James 5 16 it says therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Like, when I mess up and I go to God, it's like, yes, God forgives me. God, I'm sorry, I repent. Forgive me, please, I messed up. And God forgives us. But what does he say to do for healing? He says, I need to take that to somebody else. God puts you in a church family for this very reason. Because you weren't meant to figure all this stuff out by yourself. You even see this, I love it, in John. In the story of Lazarus, you know the story of Lazarus. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes out of the tomb. Look at this. John 11, verse 43 and 44. It said, when... He had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. The miracle is done. Like Lazarus was dead, and now he's walking. Looks like a mummy, but he's walking. He's alive. There's a miracle. Jesus raised this man from the dead, but he's not done at the miracle. He said, Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Like the miracle was Lazarus going from death to life. But then the freedom, Jesus called in other people and said, hey, take these cloths off of him and let him go. And the miracle doesn't just stop there when he walks out of the tomb. But it's finished when other people get around him and begin to help him. So when you're struggling, when you're tangled up, you're going in circles. One of the things that you really need to know is you're not meant to do it by yourself. God places you around other believers so that you can be healed and that you can be free. And that's my heart as a pastor for all of you today. We don't want you to just be in life groups and be in uh, relationships with other people so it looks like we have a lot of life groups. And we, we want this for you so that you're not tangled and that you're free to run the race that God has put before you. That's our heart for you.